God's plan to save the world starts with a baby. Shocking, isn't it? How does God come into our world? I mean, when he finally shows up in person on that very first Christmas morning, how does God show up? As a warrior? A professional MMA fighter? A bodyguard? When God shows up, he shows up as a baby. I mean, imagine that. A tiny little baby who kicks and squirms in his mama's belly. A cute and cuddly little baby who cries and gets fussy and wants to nurse his mama and needs to be burped and must have his diapers changed and who takes naps in a donkey's feeding trough and is very needy and dependent on his parents. A baby. I love what comedian Jim Gaffigan says about babies. He says, babies are the worst roommates. They're unemployed. They don't pay rent. They keep insane hours. Their hygiene is horrible. If you had a roommate that did any of the things babies do, you would ask them to move out. Do you remember what happened last night? Today, you're all smiles, but last night, you were hitting the bottle pretty hard. Then you started screaming, and you threw up on me. Then you passed out and wet yourself. Dude, you got to move out. And so babies might make the worst roommates, but in his infinite wisdom, God came as a baby. A baby who screamed and needed to nurse and threw up and messed his diapers. I hope the shock of that hasn't worn off for you because you're just so familiar with the story. A baby. What humility, what condescension. So it's no surprise then that when Jesus grows up and he's a grown man, he calls for the little children and babies to be brought to him. We read about it in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 10. And they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So here's what Mark is telling us in his gospel. is that children have a trusting spirit and a willingness to be dependent and receive help from others. And so Jesus is saying that the attitude with which someone receives the kingdom of God must be childlike. Now the Pharisees and religious leaders, the pastors, if you will, of the day, in Jesus' day, were the exact opposite of children and little babies. The Pharisees and the religious leaders were these uptight, stuffy, religious people who were cynical and defiant and disobedient and They're actually set in opposition to God. They were stiff and rigid and unloving. They were allergic to smiling. They would say, frowning's my favorite, as opposed to, smiling's my favorite. But Jesus tells us that that kind of heart will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' disciples even rebuked the people who brought their little children to see Jesus, if you can imagine that. But what does Jesus do? Well, first, he's indignant at his disciples. 
I mean, how messed up and misguided do you have to be to keep kids from playing with Jesus? So Jesus rebuked his disciples and said, don't stop them. Let all the littles come to me. And then he held them in his arms. I wish I could have seen this. This is one of those, one of those moments in the Bible that I want to see. Some people are like, I want to see the Red Sea part. I want to see this. What a beautiful moment of our Savior. Jesus takes these littles in his arms, unhurried, attentive, bounce them on his knee probably, look them in the eye and touch their little noses, maybe even tickled them. And then he prayed for them and he blessed them. And then he said that God's kingdom belongs to these little ones. So what's Jesus doing here? What does he mean when he says that the kingdom of God belongs to little kids? Well, Jesus is pointing to the childlike attitude with which we must receive the kingdom of God in our lives. He's saying that if you want to receive God's forgiveness, if you want to be forgiven of your sins, if you want to be at peace with God and spend eternity with him and not eternity in hell because of your sin, if you want to be at peace with God, if you want to enjoy his favor, if you want to enjoy God's smile, then you must become like a child. Well, what do children do? They trust. What does a child do? A child trusts and runs to his, his or her parents. And Jesus is saying, trust me. There's reliance. What does a child do? A child relies on his or her parents and depends on them for everything. And Jesus is saying, you can rely on me. There's also wonder with children, isn't there? What's a, a child's heart like? A child's heart is full of wonder and joy. They're not cynical like us grown-ups, are they? Jesus is saying, don't be cynical. Don't be bitter. Instead, let your heart be full of wonder because there's a lot of wonders in my world. But childlike faith is more than trust. It's also delight. Childlike faith is full of joy. I mean, just watch Little children, what do they do when they're happy? Watch, watch what children will do tomorrow morning when they receive gifts and they make that gigantic mess around the tree. They'll be so happy. They won't care that there's wrapping paper everywhere. It won't even cross their mind. They can handle the chaos of the living room floor. By the way, parents, especially you dads, don't be so quick to clean up tomorrow. Dads, don't pull out the, the trash bag and become passionate about gathering discarded pieces of wrapping paper. Don't, don't be like SpongeBob. Dads on Christmas, when they see 0.2 pieces of wrapping paper on the floor, put it in, right? Don't be like SpongeBob. Let your kids be kids. I'm preaching to the choir here, by the way, because my family knows that that's me. Wrap it. Oh, great. Dad, thank you. Give me that paper. That's what we do. I like what Andy Rooney said. One of the most glorious messes in the world is the mess created in the living room on Christmas Day. Don't clean it up too quickly. Watch what children do tomorrow morning when they receive gifts. When they make that mess around the Christmas tree, they'll be so happy. They won't be grumpy. They won't be uptight. They won't be stiff. And then watch what children do when they're playing. They spontaneously giggle and clap their hands and jump up and down and they sing and they dance and they skip and they have fun and they're not uptight, they're not rigid, they're actually free. 
And that's why Jesus came, to set us free that we might enjoy God and become his children who laugh and dance and smile and giggle and skip and play. In her book, The Jesus Storybook Bible, Sally Lloyd-Jones describes Jesus' interaction with the children in Mark 10 that I just read. Let me read, read that to you. She says, as Jesus' friends were arguing, who was the most important helper in God's kingdom? They wanted to know. I am, James said. No, no, you're not, said Peter. I am. Nonsense, said Matthew. I'm the cleverest. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, no, am too. This silliness went on and on like that for some time. You see, Jesus' friends had started thinking that they had to do something to make themselves special to Jesus. That if they were the cleverest or the nicest or something, Jesus would like them best. But they had forgotten something. Something God had been teaching his people all through the years. That no matter how clever you are, or how good you are, or how rich you are, or how nice you are, or how important you are, none of it makes any difference. Because God's love is a gift. And as is, anyone will tell you, the whole thing about a gift is, it's free. All you have to do is reach out your hands and take it. So while Jesus' friends were arguing, some people who knew all about getting gifts, in fact, you might say they were gift experts, some of these people had come to see Jesus. Who were they? They were little children. Jesus' helpers tried to send them away. Jesus doesn't have time for you, they said. He's too tired. But they were wrong. Jesus always had time for children. Don't ever send them away, Jesus said. Bring the little ones to me. Now, if you had been there, what do you think? Would you have had to line up quietly to see Jesus? Do you think Jesus would have asked you how good you'd been before he gave you a hug? Would you have had to be on your best behavior and get dressed up and not speak until you're spoken to? Or would you have done just what these children did? Run straight up to Jesus and let him pick you up in his arms and swing you and kiss you and hug you and then sit you on his lap and listen to your stories and your chats. You see, children love Jesus and they knew they didn't need to do anything special for Jesus to love them. All they needed to do was run into his arms. And so that's just what they did. Well, after all the laughing and games, Jesus turned to his helpers and said, No matter how big you grow, never grow up so much that you lose your child's heart. Full of trust in God. Be like these children. They are the most important in my kingdom. But it's hard to be like a child, isn't it? It's hard to simply receive God's free gift of love and forgiveness. Why? Because we still think that we must do something to earn his love, to earn his favor, to earn his grace. So what Christmas does is it challenges, it challenges our what must we do assumption. What must I do? I have to do something to fix the mess. I mean, think about the shepherds that came to worship baby Jesus they didn't come to worship a to-do list, did they? The wise men who brought all these gifts fit for a king, they did not lay their gifts before a set of instructions, did they? And King Herod did not feel threatened by a list of do's and don'ts, right? Why? Because Christmas is about a person. Christmas is about God's Son coming down to us, 
to rescue us, to give us a free gift, eternal life with him. He comes to sinners. And that's the bad news is that you are a sinner and so am I. We deserve to be punished by God forever because we've broken his law. We've broken the Ten Commandments. Just read through the Ten Commandments. If you don't believe me, read through the Ten Commandments. Tell me how you're doing. You don't get far. Where you're like, whew, we're all sinners. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. God doesn't push sinners away who have broken the Ten Commandments. He comes to them and says, here's a free gift. Forgiveness for you. I'll forgive you. That's the good news. So it's this decidedly lopsided transaction, isn't it? God just gives, and all we have to do is receive. That's it. That's how it works. We don't give God any gifts for Christmas. He's the giver. We are the receivers. That, that's Christianity. God is a giver. He's not a grabber. He's not a taker. He doesn't need anything from us. He has no needs, if you can imagine that. God has zero needs whatsoever. He just gives. And so it's so lopsided, but it's the only way to be saved, to be born again, to be made right with God. Here's an illustration from pop culture that illustrates our tendency to turn our relationship with God into kind of like this business deal. Okay, you're giving me something. Well, I need to give something back to you. That's, that's how it works. That's how we think it works because grace makes us uncomfortable, Right? So we easily shift into trying to earn it. I've only seen little clips of this show, um, but there's a scene on The Big Bang Theory, if you know that television show, uh, where they show us just how hard it is to receive good gifts. It goes like this. Sheldon, one of the characters, discovers that Penny, one of the girls on the show, has gotten him a Christmas present. Angered, He reminds Penny that the foundation of gift-giving is reciprocity and that she hasn't given him a gift, she's given him an obligation. He says that now he has to go out and purchase for her a gift of commensurate value and representing the same perceived level of friendship as that represented by the gift she's going to give him. So his solution is to purchase five or six gift baskets, you know, really small all the way to very large, of these bath products. His plan is to see what her gift is to him, he will excuse himself from the room and then come back with the appropriate gift basket that matches her gift, and then he'll return the others to the store. What happens, though, is that Penny has gotten Sheldon a gift that he cannot even believe. Penny has gotten Sheldon a napkin that Leonard Nimoy, Spock from Star Trek, has used, wiped his mouth with or something, and autographed. Sheldon notes that he now not only has Leonard Nimoy's signature, he has Spock's signature, now he has his DNA. After excusing himself, Sheldon returns with all six gift baskets, barely able to carry the weight. And he says, I know, I know, it's not enough. And that's the problem, isn't it? We don't know how to react when we get really good gifts. When the gift is that good, no response is good enough. Certainly a plain thank you, won't cut it. There is no bath product cornucopia that can balance the scales when Leonard Nimoy's DNA is on the other side and there doesn't seem to be an adequate response 
when Jesus' death for our sins holds that place either. Many of us Christians spend our lives trying to reciprocate uh, for Jesus' gift to adequately say thank you. But if we turn a big enough gift into an obligation, we're crushed by it. If we turn Jesus' gift of eternal life, what he's done for us, into this obligation, we become crushed by it. So let's acknowledge then that this is a gift that tips the scales forever. Let's treat the gift like a child would, with excitement and joy, and go play, remembering that even our most heartfelt gratitude is not commensurate with his life-giving gift, liberating us from the impossible burden of repayment. Receive his gift like a child. Children tomorrow are not going to wake up and say to you parents, I owe you, mom and dad. What can I do? Let me, bring, let me find something to... Re-. No, they just receive with joy. They don't even think about it. They just receive the gift and they're grateful. Grace makes us uncomfortable so we easily shift into trying to earn it. We don't like the lopsided nature of grace, do we? We still think we have to do something. I've got to give you something, God. But the gift of God's love is a gift that skips, that tips those scales forever. So let's treat the gift like a child would, with excitement and joy and go play, remembering that even our most heartfelt gratitude is not equal with his life-giving gift. We could never repay Jesus for what he has done for us. There's no gift we could give to match his matchless love for us on the cross. No rule-keeping will do it. It can't be matched. No amount of law-keeping can do it. Jesus is supposed to be received like a little child receives a gift with excitement and joy. And then you go play, and you're, you're carefree. So remember, no matter how big you grow, never grow up so much that you lose a childlike heart that's full of trust in God. Steve Brown said, it's easier to hug a dirty kid than a stiff kid. Stiffness is the worst sin, and we thought that dirt was the problem. Jesus wants you to come to him dirty, dirty with your sin. You don't have to hide anything. He wants you to come with him all messy with your sin, to come with your anger, to come with your lust, to come with your worry, to come with your bitterness, to come with your pride, to come with your gossip. Should I keep going or do you get the picture? You see, dirt's not the problem. Sin is not the problem. Jesus can hug a dirty, messy kid. He's not afraid to hug a dirty kid. He's not afraid of messing up his clothes. So sin is not the problem. Jesus welcomes sinners, messy ones, dirty ones. So what's the problem? Stiffness is. Self-righteousness is. Pride is. When Jesus says that the kingdom of God belongs to little children, he's saying that it doesn't belong to stiff, self-righteous people who won't acknowledge that they need a Savior, that they are lost in their sin without a Savior. He's saying that it doesn't belong to people who won't become like a child. And so the Pharisees and the religious leaders in Jesus' day were stiff, self-righteous, prideful, rigid. And their stiff, self-righteous, prideful, rigid ways were the worst sin because they thought they had their act together. They weren't dirty like all those other sinners 
And that's why it's easier for Jesus to hug a dirty kid than a stiff one. Don't be stiff this Christmas. Become a child. Acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you desperately need a Savior. And receive his love. Become a gift expert, a little child, and just receive the gift of his son, Jesus. And receive it with excitement and joy. And then, because your sins are forgiven, go do what little children do. Laugh and dance and skip and play and giggle and be carefree because that's what children like to do. You know what else little children like? They like hearing the same stories over and over and over again. My kids love hearing stories about my childhood and things I did over and over again. Tell me again, Dad. Tell me that story again. I told you 50 times. You could tell me that story. God's children love hearing the same story over and over again. God's children say, Heavenly Father, please tell me the story again about your son and what he did for me on the cross. I love that story so much. Again, Father, tell it again, again, again. So come, come to Jesus and be like a child and be a kid tomorrow on Christmas Day and then every day after. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the free gift that you offer us, which is yourself, it's you. Thank you for what you've done for us, living a perfect life, dying in our place, rising again, conquering death, Sending to your Father, we await your final advent. We just say thank you. Help us to just hold out the empty hands of faith and say thank you. And not fall into this pattern of we have to do something. I have to, I have to pray more. I have to read more. I have to do something to, to you know, kind of even things out. Jesus, help us to just receive and then to laugh, to dance, and to sing. Be full of joy because you have forgiven us, because we are welcome in your kingdom forever. We just say, thank you. In your name we pray, amen.